Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Today I have a special guest with me, Jamie Bryant. Now, let me give you a little history here. Um, when I bring people on um, from my hometown of Rustburg, uh, it's always a delight for me for the simple fact that uh, I grew up in a very diverse area. Um, I always say this, I'm from Candler's Mountain end of things. So that's like your middle-class suburbia. Then you have the Evington side, Rustburg. Then you actually have like inside of Rustburg. And then you have Concord and outer line areas. So you had so many different people uh, that you went to school with that uh, it was kind of enticing that you got to meet different people because it was like a whole big world at Rustburg before we went into the big world. So Jamie, would you please introduce yourself and uh, tell the audience about yourself? So hi, I'm Jamie. I live in Rustburg. Let's see, I, don't, um, I have two daughters. I've been married for almost 10 years. I never thought I'd move back to Rustburg. I thought when I graduated, I'd travel the world and you know, I didn't make it out of this area. Temporarily lived in Korea, um, which was exciting, but- Oh, wow. Yeah, I've uh, been back now for about 12 years and been stuck here, I guess, but it's been good. Um, I work at the local hospital here for psychiatric emergency services. So that's been interesting during the COVID-19 epidemic, pandemic, whatever it's uh, been both, I guess, but. Okay, so but yes, that's me. All right, so an interesting thing is uh, you had a child just a little bit outside of the start of COVID-19, but your child technically falls into the COVID-19 situation. So what was it like having a child just a little bit before COVID-19, like taking your child to these doctor's appointments and things like that? Right, so that was terrifying because she was five weeks early. So she was already premature and had spent like six days in the ICU. So it was already a nervous wreck. So to have her home and then my husband was still, I guess we were considered essential workers. So me, you know, working at the hospital setting and him working outside in constant construction atmosphere with other workers like we were literally in <laughs> we've been in constant fear for the first probably six months of her life she didn't you know because no one really knew much about COVID or what would happen I don't think she even left we never even left the house which also made it challenging because it's I think it's important for infants or you know babies need to have exposure at least to other human faces besides <laughs> just right. her damn family so she was a little it was traumatizing taking her out for the first time in Walmart she was like oh my god you know at first we just ordered groceries everywhere and we finally started to venture out some and doctor's appointments so were nervous but they did um it was so they take you back so quick because it was so they were so worried about it too that it you know i wasn't extremely worried about it and i had my mask on but <laughs> wore those <laughs> damn masks i made sure yeah she also my... wasn't accustomed to a car seat which was you know by then usually about six months old i've probably taken my daughter everywhere or at least to daycare back and forth or my dad's house back and forth when he used to watch my first child or so she really was not, didn't know what a car seat was. <laughs> it's like traumatized by the car seat at six months old. <laughs> I can see that. And, and the other thing too is like building up her flora, like so that she could actually be used to germs. That's probably kind of been a weird thing because it, since she hasn't been able to go a lot of places, she doesn't get around all the germs. And then at the same time, you don't want her around all the germs yeah. because of COVID-19. So what was it, what has it been like having two children and being at home during COVID-19? Because you have a, you know with a baby it's so much you know the, the if they don't have the night and day down packed yet it's so much that you have to do with them yes so I, would, I guess I get, we've been lucky with Miss Everlene so far because I'd say by my goal was I got home I knew I had like six to eight weeks I was going to be with her and I was I worked third shift but not every night but I wanted to try to get on a schedule so my husband could <laughs> at least sleep through the night and 
you know, do whatever he had to do. So she was sleeping five to six hours at a time by the time I went back, which was nice, but it has been challenging because usually my eight-year-old is at school. So this will be the first time that I've kept her home virtual. So yes, having her and a baby <laughs> together all day and sometimes trying to sleep whenever I can with the baby and uh, my daughter does her schoolwork as much as she can and then I help her and we review it in the afternoon or I have to stop, you know, help her out throughout the day. So that, that has been challenging and just making sure that everyone gets enough attention, like even down to the dogs. Like you feel like, you know, I have to make sure I sleep. I also need to eat. Like <laughs> I need to make sure I give the, the baby takes so much attention. It's, it's physically draining. And the eight, the eight year old is more mentally draining. You gotta make sure the husband gets attention the house. So yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> so that's, that's gotta be kind of, uh, nice. yeah, that's kind of, kind of be tough. So how do you cope with these stresses? What are, what is your outlet? Cause you have to understand when we do these interviews in these podcasts, like what you're saying, will resonate with uh, like so many mothers, fathers, grandparents that are watching kids. Like, how do you cope with that stress? Because you have to take care of all these people. You have to micromanage everybody's attention and all this other stuff. How do you do that? Cuss? No. <laughs> Decorate for Christmas. That's what I've been doing. I, I did paint my living room, doing some housing, right? Some fixing the house. You have more time to sit around and look at, at stuff that's falling apart. And you're like, oh, my God, I need to paint my ceilings. They're like, oh, God, look at this. This room is depressing. It's dark brown. Why are we been living in toasted coconut? Like, like Okay. So now, eating. I've been eating. I know that. Cooking all kinds of shit. Uh, art. Okay. Making art. So, yeah. Making art? What kind of art? We like my dumb, We like to paint, but every Christmas we do crafts. So I have to make my uh, I make my grandma a homemade craft every year. And the, the year that I told her I wasn't going to do it, I think she was about to fall out of her chair. So I'm working on a Santa, a homemade little crafty Santa. I'm sure you'll see it on Facebook. I'll display it when it's done. <laughs> okay, okay, got you there. Now let's let's move over there. So during this time, how have you been dealing with? Uh, like, you know, social media is like a big part of our lives now. It's kind of like uh, growing up, you know, we all had toys and stuff. I was a video gamer, so I could just turn to a video game and tune out the world. If friends wanted to come over, they did that, or we went skating, we did stuff like that. Uh, how has social media affected you during COVID-19 now? Because people have so much time just to sit there, people troll, or just catching up with people. How has it uh, affected you? It's kind of... It kind of actually is scary. I feel like it makes me sad or I realize I've been on this for, I've been on Facebook for like 10 or 12 years and that, I don't know, it's kind of people are crazier than I thought. <laughs> then I'm like, am I damn crazy? I'm like, we're all fucking crazy. Like, this is crazy. I can't believe how many posts I've seen. I guess it's actually increased your stress maybe instead of helped it, I feel like in a way. Like sometimes it helps. I used to find it funny. Like that was my real, my comedy release. Like I love to laugh at memes and I love to see everyone's pictures, but then it got a little been a little too serious or everyone thinking COVID is fake especially when I work like in the healthcare setting that's been the most annoying <laughs> yeah like, I, I, can see, what, you know. I can see that being kind of annoying because like like I, I was telling people you know my son and the mother of my child they both got COVID-19 it was like really serious and you know people were like oh you're just joking you're a comedian you're an entertainer on on social media you'll just do anything for some likes and I'm like nah that's not the situation and, you know, I was kind of weird about that, too. And I'll tell you something weird that's happened, like, in our age demographic. Like, our demographic is 30 to 40 now, you know. So mm -hmm. I noticed, like, on Facebook myself personally, I stepped away from it more. Like, uh, obviously, with the podcast building up, I do more on Instagram. But 
for my sense of relief and stuff like that, I've moved over to Snapchat. Uh, my girlfriend Stacy has been trying to get me into TikTok, but Facebook doesn't seem like it's the same place it was yeah. 12 years ago, you know? Yeah, and see, I don't have any of those other things. Like, I have no, I'm not very tech savvy. I don't, I don't have Snapchat. I don't go on Instagram. I don't even have like a Pinterest, whatever it's called. I don't do Wow. <laughs> I don't have any of that other stuff. Like, that doesn't, you know. <laughs> I didn't even make Facebook like they actually made an account for me in Korea because people couldn't believe I didn't have one because I was in college and it was great and I was like I don't I don't care about that (laughs) but now look now I got it (laughs) and it's like our television you know everybody goes to it and just finds whatever they want there or uh trolls and finds a comment and just gets out of hand with it and um other things than that and um another thing Jamie that uh you're uh very poignant about and you have an advocacy for is um you uh told me and we talked a little bit about domestic violence um you're an advocate uh for people and trying to help people out and um not let them uh fall by the wayside uh you have anything that you would tell my audience uh to help them out or to get them you know geared up in in a proper way to take care of themselves if something happens to them Yes, like, please, like, educate yourself also just the warning signs of domestic violence and educate yourself on that it, it, that it is real. Like, there's plenty of resources, you know, or, or not, I guess not that it's real or that it's not as, not as prevalent as it is or that it, you know, it doesn't matter what your race or socioeconomic status is or, I mean, it, it bypasses all of that. It, it accounts for all of that. So I do think some people don't understand that at times when you when you are talking about or when they're experiencing it, they're in denial. I think this can't be me. You know, I'm I don't fit this stereotype or I'm not this cliche. And it just digs you deeper into the of realizing it can happen to you. And <laughs> it happens everywhere. But, you know, to everyone, but the warning signs, because you might see it as someone who really cares about you or, oh, they're calling me all the time or they love to stop by work and see just how I'm doing because they miss me so much or they're bringing me flowers when really. That's sometimes like the number one <laughs> warning signs of someone trying to keep tabs or start controlling you before you even know what you're sucked into that that idea of what love is and what someone caring about you is and it's not <laughs> right and i thank you very much like for expressing that and um like because you know like in, in that in that topic right there um people people with and i'm talking about mental health uh especially when i say this i'm not just gonna box in domestic violence mental health is something that's taboo in our community you know like people act like uh people don't have issues and don't have problems and don't want to deal with these things just sweep people under the rug and just uh you know do away with them and i appreciate you like expressing that because a lot of people you know they don't care about other people's mental health and sometimes they don't even care about that theirs that's why they um you know people tend to fall by the wayside and we have so many different things that happen uh in the community so let me ask you this, Jamie. Uh, right now in life, you've uh, you have both your daughters, you have your husband, and we're gonna swing out of the domestics uh, for for a minute. Um, y'all are all at home. Since you've been home for COVID nineteen, has it brought you and your family not so much your smallest, but uh, your daughter and your husband? Has it brought y'all closer? Uh, do y'all communicate better because you see each other more now? I feel like it has brought us closer, but we were already kind of a homebody-ish, like kind of stick to ourselves. <laughs> Don't have really siblings around that we see or interact with on a regular basis. And 
you know, I only have like one mother and he has his mom that he, you know, we don't really interact with her, but he sees her some. So we were already kind of just a close knit unit to ourselves. So I feel like it has helped, but also maybe made it worse because since we were already so close all the time anyway, that we, we needed, we probably need to get out more than, yeah, than we do now, especially the daughter, the eight-year-old causes extra, you know, it's not cool for an eight-year-old to be here. And she goes to dance class and she's doing really good virtual online, but it's not, you know, I don't think that's what she She needs to be interacting with way more kids on a day-to-day basis. Right. Cause, like, we, about, yeah. cause, Cause like I said earlier about our area, it's so many different type of people that you're going to meet, you know, when you're actually out and about and doing this stuff. So with your oldest daughter, um how, how is she doing like you know does, does she is she able to communicate with other kids via the zoom skype or whatever whatever kids are doing now just to have interaction or is it just mute yes it for i i've it is just now started to pick up to where they're having more daily meetings so for like at least four days out of the week they'll meet for 30 minutes and that has helped but up until like these past couple of weeks it was maybe one live meeting a week for like 30 minutes like with the teacher and the other kids, but basically just the teacher going over a couple quick lessons or so she said really not. <laughs> right. But so, it's getting better. Yeah. So the psyche of a of a of an eight year old or nine or ten year old now is going to be completely different from what we knew. Yeah. Um that that's one thing that I that I've wondered and, and that's why I really wanted to have you on this show. Um because I knew that you the field that you work in, uh how how have people been because I know for HIPAA reasons we can't state certain things, but um well people's information and i'm not asking that but um have people how how do you feel people are coping with COVID 19 do you think people are coping well with it because like i said you deal with a lot of uh psychiatric correct yes um do you think and like i said you can't detail anybody i understand that once again but do you think people are dealing well with COVID 19 yeah like the good thing is i don't work directly with the patient so i work like as an intake specialist so okay um, you know, I do do around patients around the state of Virginia and like people that are in our ED for direct admissions. But I work with a team of people who actually go and see these individuals like in the ED if they come. But so they are at first, I'm not gonna lie, when COVID first broke out, I think everyone was really, really scared. And it was like did at the intake office, you know, it was did in the ED. It was not a lot of people coming in for mental health and I, or really anything other than COVID at times or shortness of breath or issues breathing. It was pretty, or like true emergencies. It was, it was pretty chill for a while, but I feel like here recently and also especially with the election and the, the holidays and the weather mixed with COVID, I think it's definitely increased people's stressors and mental health yeah tremendously like not and and a lot of the mental health patients you know they're not having their appointments they're having telehealth visits or everything's backed up because they can't get their medication so that's definitely not okay. not help in the situation at the local hospitals okay so let me ask you this um now if i'm someone that needs some help and i'm in central virginia where you are um and you, like you said, everything's telehealth, this and that. Um, what's the easiest way to get in touch with someone to get some help? I'm um, definitely your local CSB and like ours, um, that's your community service board, like Horizon Behavioral Health is our local one, just in like, I don't know if they go cover, you know, all of Central Virginia, but there used to be the Central Virginia Community Services Board. And that is the 434, I think 528-8191. And that is the after hours emergency number. Um, but you can always go to any local hospital um, through Centra. So Bedford, 
Memorial Hospital, Gretna Emergency Services, Southside Community Hospital in Farmville, or um, the Lynchburg you know, General Hospital, of course. And you can go there with any mental health emergency and the ED doctor puts in a consultant or an order. So a mental health consult and there is, and we have a whole mental health team that can see you right away to give you any referral information you may need or to, they evaluate you for inpatient or psychiatric hospitalization and detox services. So they just point you in the right direction. All right, and I appreciate that because uh, being informed, being an informed like that, uh, not everybody has that, you know, and you, where you have that job, you have that intellect for that. Okay, now, yeah. all right, here we go, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> inside all this, uh, and I thank you once again for being a guest. Um, during this show, I ask people one question, and uh, this question goes around uh, just like this: Do you have a hidden or secret talent? Uh, and if you do, would you please tell us, uh, for the simple fact on this show, I had a rapper on here from New York. Uh, he was rapping about this and that and all kinds of craziness, right? But he can solve an Rubik's Cube in 30 to 40 seconds. Like, wow. he can just move it around, twist it around. And I'm like, what in the world could you do with that type of brain power? Like, I could, like, s- do something to where I would take care of one of the world problems if I had that much mental function. So what is a hidden talent or a secret that nobody knows about you? Oh my God, I don't know. You should have asked me this earlier. I could have thought about it. Well, it's one of those things that uh, we throw in here. It's one of those things that just... Right? Oh, I can't do anything extraordinary. But the only thing that comes to mind, I don't know if you consider it a talent, but I am really good with kids. I remember like people call me the magic wand. I used to work crisis intervention and like work one-on-one with kids in the school and can make them do things. <laughs> Behave, okay. listen, go to sleep. <laughs> so it sounds like, uh, what is it? The ghost whisperer? You're a child whisperer, basically. Yeah, that's about, that's about all I can offer right now. Okay, that works out good. Now, um, what do you have going on in the near future? Are you planning on doing anything um, in the near future, like social media-wise or anything? Um, um, I uh, might, like... I don't know, venture out and try a new, a new one. Like I created an Instagram account and like got on there and downloaded a picture. And then I'm like, well, what the hell do I do now? Like what, look at more, like, is it look at more pictures, <laughs> do the same thing you do on Facebook? Like, so I just got off of it. And then I downloaded Snapchat and I'm like, what the hell? I'm going to take a picture of the same thing already. You know, I just, it's like, I'm too realistic for it. I can't, <laughs> but I think I should try. A new, yeah, definitely, you know, definitely try. Um, because here, here's the thing: can listen to a podcast. I should listen to a podcast. Maybe. Well, I, I say this, uh, and this is one thing that's uh, odd about these podcasts. I do do them, and I will listen to other people's podcasts, but only because I have to edit my own podcast or something to that extent. I truly do not. I didn't listen to podcasts until I started doing them. Nice. Um, I was just like, it's just another part of radio that I just don't listen to. So it is kind of adventurous. Uh, treat it like this, though. Podcast should be like, you know, when you have that proverbial uh, 15 minute break at work now when you're home, yeah. if you have that kind of free time for it, or if you're just, you know, one of those people that keeps headphones in your ears or an Alexa somewhere or something that can play it. Um, but on the social media, and I'll tell you like this, Instagram, um, for me personally, I always thought it was like the best place to keep my photos. Because I have people on Facebook that are not on my Instagram, and I have people on my Snapchat that are on all three of my things. They're just the people that I like to watch their content. So I keep them on Snapchat, like the people that I act. Because, you know, you scroll through Facebook and you see tons of millions of people, and you're like, man, this person's always posting. Let me snooze on them. 
I like this person, so I hope they get to the top of it, of my feed. If they don't, then oh well. But Snapchat and Instagram, you can kind of, you kind of tailor your audience. Because like, say, like, if you have a thousand friends on uh, Facebook, for instance, you might only have 300 on Instagram. And then uh, mine goes even smaller than that on Snapchat. I have like 19 to 20, but they're the 19 to 20 people that I follow. You know, I, I'm a fan of whatever they're doing, and they're a fan of what I'm doing. So that's kind of how I treat those. Because on Snapchat, you can get away with a lot more than you're going to get away with on Instagram or Facebook. <laughs> nice. And there's no one to ban you. Yeah. So that's the sell there. Okay, so let me get in. And I, I have a, another question to ask you real quick. All right, so with your workload, the children, your husband, when do you actually find time for yourself? Like, do you take five minutes at 11 o'clock from 11 to 11.05 at night, and that's just your time? Well, I know this sounds, this is kind of sad, but at my job, sometimes, like, if if all of the psychiatric units are full and no one's calling around looking for beds around the state of Virginia and no one needs to be seen, I usually have a pretty, you know, I have a chill night at work. <laughs> so See, there's uh, been, I gotta watch what I say, but there's been many a night, you know, where Amazon Prime is my, um, and a nice good book with some coffee and lots of snacks is my... <laughs> that's my nightly thing you know some nights I'm busy and from the time I get there until five in the morning I roll out and I don't even know what happened but there's so that is a lot of the time that I have for myself and the good thing is I usually have um I'll have three days off three nights and four days off in a row at times so throughout that time there are some times where I'll find you know time for myself I go hang with my mom me and my mom will do some things or I'll just tell the husband take take the chaps for a minute or go hang out with my friend Tanisha (laughs) okay so you do figure out how to uh, take care of yourself in that. So yeah. um, last thing before we finish off this podcast, um, let me ask you this. If someone were to want to make a documentary on your life, what would be the title of that documentary and how long would that documentary be? Oh, it's oh, yeah. not bad. Oh, I'm going to say something bad. This bitch is going to hell and it would be <laughs> like an hour long. An hour long. Why just an hour long? Because then not much, not much has happened. <laughs> okay, so Jamie, once again, I want to thank you for coming on West Virginia and Commonplace. Um, is there anyone you want to give a shout out to? Anybody that's helped mold you or help you uh, get to a good place or out of a or out of a good place to a bad place back to a good place? Um, my dad, yes, God rest his soul. You know, wherever in heaven he's at, but. Definitely my dad, my best friend, and definitely helped show, shape who I am today. Work ethic, view on life, and most things that at one time I probably took for granted or were, didn't want to admit were true are. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on. All right. Thank you for having me. All right.